Gauging success. Oh, I'm excited about this message. It's, it's just going to help us. You know, we've been talking about success, thinking bigger, believing bigger. Uh, but I want to talk to you uh, about how to gauge it, what to look for, because the world in which we live, they will say, well, you're not successful, and you're not successful, and, and what you do for a living is not successful. But that's how the world gauges success. But God gauges success in a wholly, entirely different viewpoint. And so uh, we want to talk about that. First of all, most people gauge success by how much money you have or what you, what you own, what you don't own. So they gauge success based totally upon money. It's really hard to see through that, but that's what they gauge it upon. And the Bible says this, Luke chapter 12, I'm going to talk about four pairs of glasses. That's the first pair, four pair, all right? The first one is Luke 12, 14, Jesus replied, friend, who made you judge, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. It's not measured by how much you own. I own more today than I've ever owned in my whole entire life, but that is not why I'm successful. God is not bothered by you owning all kinds of stuff, but you need to know that that's not your success because you own a bunch of stuff. Amen. It's not. But a lot of people think that, well, I don't own a big house, or I, I rent. I don't even own my house, so how can I be successful? It's not based, success is not based upon what you possess, period. Because the Bible even says that about money. Money can take wings and, and fly off. All the people in that whole Enron scandal lost all of their 401k. One day they were getting ready to retire. Next day they got to go work because they don't have anything. So you don't, you don't base your success. There's one ditch that says, well, I don't care about money. Oh, well, yeah, you, you, you better. If you want to eat, everybody likes to eat. You better care about money. So there's a ditch on both sides of the road. But your success is not based upon how much money you have. All right, everybody clear of that one. The second pair of glasses is prestige and fame. You know, if, I, if everybody knows me, then I'm successful, and I, this is the only thing I could. Is this the whole success look? Okay, maybe not, but anyway, I couldn't come up with anything else, but um, I saw an article this week by, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the actor Ryan Reynolds. And uh, he uh, did a movie, he's done several movies, but the latest one, I heard it's I haven't seen it, so don't judge me. Deadpool. But he was a superhero in this, in this movie. And uh, he was doing an interview, and he was very transparent. Now, he has the fame. He has the notoriety. Everybody, well, not everybody, but he's very well known in the Hollywood world. But uh, nothing against him, but I would not consider him successful. And it's based upon his own testimony. His testimony was that 
He has so much anxiety. He's worried all the time. He has a fear of death. He has a fear of the future. He's worried about everything. He says, as a matter of fact, anytime he does an interview, he gets all nauseated and he's, he's, he's just so worried about everything. He doesn't really, it sounded like, my interpretation is because of all the worry and all the fear in his life, he doesn't enjoy life at all. So would you consider that successful? Not at all. So obviously, what he does, even though he's a superhero, these superheroes, you know, I mean, I like watching superhero movies, you know, uh, the Avengers and all that. I, I, I like that. So don't write me any letters because I'm still going to watch them with or without your letter. But, uh, but having said that, is this is that those superheroes does not mean they're successful. It does not. I said it does not. Uh, Philippians, but when I read that, let me, I was getting a little ahead of myself. We'll, we'll read Philippians chapter 4 in a minute. But I, I did a little bit of looking up when I read that um, he had such a, a worry problem, an anxiety problem. Listen to this. This is not my um, Statistics. These statistics come from the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, who researches this. They say that anxiety disorders are the most common mental disorder in the United States, affecting 40 million people. 18% of the population. That means, let me just put it to our, that means approximately 2 out of 10 people that you see have this going on in their life. Worried and fearful about everything. You understand, you know, when you... I, I believe if I if could spend two weeks with... Or he could spend with me, I should say. Ryan Reynolds, if he could spend two weeks with me, I know the Spirit of God could set him free. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. I believe... God has the answer for everybody to be totally free from all anxiety, to be free from all worry, to not even have a fear. I do not fear death whatsoever. The greatest fear is a fear of death. You know, people say, well, I'm just afraid of heights. Well, you can say that, but the real problem is the fear of falling and being squashed like a bug. And it's not really the fear of heights, it's the fear of falling. People have a fear of flying. Well, it's not really fear of flying, it's that you think the plane's coming down and you're going to die. All that, I have a fear of snakes. Actually, you're afraid that thing's going to bite you. It all boils down to a fear of death. And as a believer, Paul said it this way. He said, I know it's far greater to be with Jesus than to stay here with you all. But he says, I'm kind of torn between the two because I would rather leave. I'd rather leave. But he says, you know what? For your benefit, I'm going to stay here. Just for your benefit. Not for mine, but for your benefit. How does somebody say something like that? He is successful and was successful because he understood who he was and who God was. Therefore, there was no fear. You could lock him up and put him in prison. The devil could shipwreck his ship and he spent a day and a night in the water. He's no problem. Snake bit. When he got to the shore, he got bit by a poisonous snake. No problem. No matter what, you can't mess with somebody like that. The devil was taking his best shot and failing. 
You talk about making the devil depressed. Paul was a walking depression problem for the devil. But this is what God said. This is the answer for Ryan and everybody else who has worry problems. Are you ready? Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. So if you're worrying about anything, you're messed up. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And here's the key. Tell God what you need and then thank him for all that he has done. See, if you don't know God's done anything, you're not going to do any thinking. But see, Paul understood that I could thank him for my health, for my wealth, for my peace, for my victory. I can thank him for every area of my life. I can thank him because he has not going to do it. Father, would you just give me uh, peace for my future? No, he's not going to do it for your future. He's already done it. He's already done it. Everything that you need for life and to godliness, he's already done it. So you can start thanking God. You say, well, I just don't see it. I don't see. I don't have any peace in my life. I don't have any peace in my life. Where he says this in verse 7, then you will experience God's peace. Once you understand what he's done for you and you start thanking for him, he says, then you'll experience it. First of all, peace is on the inside of you. As soon as you get born again, as soon as you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, peace comes inside of you. Now, whether or not that gets manifested all depends upon what you're thinking about between your two ears. But it's in you. Peace is in you. Don't have to strive to get it. Don't have to get in really, really close or good with God to get it. It's in you. He says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. It exceeds anything you can really understand. Why? Because peace is God and God's eternal. So we embrace peace, but to be able to understand everything about what peace is, because peace, in the Hebrew, peace is shalom, which is everything that God is. But he says, then you will experience God's peace, which it seeks anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. This is what Paul was talking about. If there is a bad economy, peace will guard your heart against that. If you lose your job, peace will guard your heart. If we, you know, I've read some article and they said, you know, President Trump, what he's doing, he's going to, we are looking at the depression like it was in the 20s. I don't believe that. But if it, let's just say it does happen, peace is going to guard me against all of that. The problem is this, that we are so intertwined with what the world is saying or could happen or may happen. Paul was saying it doesn't really matter what happens because I have peace. You can't take that away from me. You can take away my 401k. You can take away my houses and my cars. You can take away my money. But when the dust settles, I'm still going to have peace. You can't take that. You can't take that. So he says, peace is going to guard you. And then verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and my admirable. Think about things that are excellent, worthy of praise. If you are worried, you're thinking the wrong thing. 
you're concerned, we don't say worry because, you know, we're Christians. So we say, I'm just overly concerned about this. Translation, I'm scared and worried. Scared about my kids, you know, what's going to happen to my kids? And I'm worried about my kids, you know, I'm just, people say, well, you don't have to worry about that. That means I don't care. No, it just means you don't have a definition and understanding and knowledge of peace. That's what that means. Hallelujah. The peace will guard you. The greatest blessing I think any parent can have is that your kids are saved and you know they're going to be with you in heaven. Now, there may be some people watching. There may be some people here that you think, well, my kids, I don't know if they're saved. I don't know if they're going to go to heaven. Well, peace can take care of that. You go, what? I believe the word of God says, as for me and my house, in Acts, it says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. My kids are just blessed because they came and were born through my lineage. (laughs) They're going to be saved, whether... They like it or not. (laughs) Thank God all of my kids are, and all my kids are serving God. But guess what? It doesn't stop there. My grandkids, my great-grandkids, and Jesus tarries to a thousand generations. They're going to be blessed because I claim it and believe it because I have the peace of God. And that peace, it's, it's our family heritage. There's a lot of things you can pass down, but the greatest thing you can pass down is Jesus. Amen? So anyway, it says, think upon good things. Think upon good things. And then the third third pair is, well, Pastor, you've been thinking big, and so if I'm not doing anything big, then I'm not successful. You have to be big. You have to be big. And if you're not doing anything big, the world says you're not successful. And that's the world's definition of big. Matter of fact, I can read you the definition of what the American Heritage Dictionary says this. The achievement of something for success. The achievement of something desired, planned, or attempted. The achievement of something desired, planned, or attempted. Some people think, well, I must be successful because I'm not planned anything, and I'm hitting that all the time. Not thinking anything big, I'm hitting that all the time. Then the second definition is the gaining of fame or prosperity. Well, we already nailed that in the head. You know, just because you're famous doesn't mean you're successful, or that you're getting a lot of money, that doesn't mean you're successful. But um, thinking big. Now, we've been talking big and been believing big, so I I don't want to make sure, I want to make sure that everybody doesn't think that, well, because I'm not doing anything big, I must not be successful. No, that's not true at all. I'm thankful that uh, we have people who, you know, you may think that people who collect garbage is insignificant. It's a little thing. I don't know about you, but I love my garbage man. He collects, can you imagine if we didn't have a garbage service? I'm thankful for, for 
the, what society would say are just these small, insignificant jobs? Really? You know, and especially you, you, society really knocks down, oh, these stay-at-home moms. Are you a stay-at-home mom? What do you do? I'm a stay-at-home mom. And you hear people go, oh, you know what that means? Well, that's like nothing. That, to me, is one of the greatest, Amen. the greatest things that, and I, I just, just keep a, three or four kids that are little. <laughs> Men should do this, at least. And just the, the, when you would kiss your wife's feet when she comes home, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, you're blessed. <laughs> just the, the, the deposits that women make into their children. It's just, that's going to be next week's message. But anyway, it's just huge. But society has a way to mold and shape us into thinking what success is. And today you're going to be set free from that. It's not about how much money you make. It's not about how famous you are. And it's not about how big you are accomplishing things. I'm thankful that. It, can you imagine when, if, it, if we didn't have people who were running sound and, and doing camera type stuff or doing little things? How about the mechanic and, or little things that, you know, that uh, help us do life? The do life. All these things are so important. Everything. Everything is so important. Psalms 139.16 says this, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So God does have a plan for your life. But this is the thing. If you are happy in what you are doing in life, what you want to do, whether it's being a secretary or, or whatever it may be. I mean, I, I don't want to just throw everything out there. But whatever you do, are you happy at it? If you're not, then ask God and say, God, I'm not happy in doing what I'm doing. Now, let me just make perfectly clear. There's always jobs that are the trend when you're in transition that you do that you may not enjoy doing. You know, I mean, I, I did fast food. That, that was a transition. Now, if you love doing transition, I mean, love doing fast food. I had a friend who uh, started working at McDonald's when he was 16. He loved his job so much. Now he owns several McDonald's. Don't knock fast food. He's multimillionaire. I'm just saying, you, whatever you want to do. I would not want to be a multimillionaire doing fast food. I'm sorry. I wouldn't be happy. I wouldn't be happy. But the point is, God wants you, and I know a lot of believers don't think this way. They don't think that God wants you to be happy. He does. He does. And so, if you are in a transition where you're at a job where you don't enjoy doing, don't settle for that. Just start talking to your Heavenly Father about it. Because he's got something better for you. He's got a better plan. Psalms 35, 27, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually. Let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. So God wants you to prosper, but you are the one who gets to define what prosperity is. Not God, not the media, not your relatives, not your mama or your daddy. You get to fill in the blank. You get to fill that in because God does want you 
to be prosperous. He wants you to be fulfilling. But this is the fourth pair of glasses. Are you ready? The fourth pair of glasses is truly what God wants you and I to understand what success is. It's not in how much money. It's not in fame. It's not in if you're doing something big or not. This is, and let me just say this. I remember when I was in charge of the aircraft operation in Louisville, Kentucky, I mean, it was, it was stuff was going on. And I thought, man, this is pretty good. And people go, man, Mike, you're pretty successful at this. I am more successful today than, it's not even, it's immeasurable how much I am. But in the world, they would probably say the opposite. You've really fallen. You've really fallen. When I was uh, doing my uh, in-flight refueling, I was the youngest, the youngest. I was 19 years old at our Air Force Base in Grissom Air Force Base in Indiana. I was the youngest person doing that job. People said, wow, 30,000 feet up in the air, refueling multi-million dollar aircraft. Man, you were successful. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I am more successful today than I've ever been, and it's only for only one reason. Are you ready? Look at John 17, 1 through 3. John 17, 1 through 3 says this. When Jesus had spoken these things, he lifted up his eyes in heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify and exalt and honor and magnify your son so that your son may glorify and exalt and honor and magnify you. Verse 2, just as you have granted him power and authority over all flesh and all humankind, now glorify him so that, listen to this next phrase, he may give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Most Christians, most people think eternal life is living forever. That is not eternal life. You know why? Everybody's going to live forever. Everybody. People who believe in Jesus, people who don't, they're still going to live forever. Your body's going to die, and your spirit's going to live forever. That is not eternal life. And Jesus knew this because the next scripture, he gives the definition of what eternal life is. He says in verse 3, and this is eternal life. It means, so here we go. It means to know, to perceive, recognize, become acquainted with, and understand you, the only true and real God, and likewise to know him. Jesus as the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, whom you have sent. So this is why I am successful today is because I know God. I know God. That's why I'm successful. There's a lot of Christians who say, well, I just don't know God, so I don't really... And uh, I just, and I believe, I was praying, and I know there's people going to be watching today in live stream or even in the future. They're going to be watching, and they're going to say, well, I don't know God, and I just, I don't think I'm good enough, or I don't, uh, I don't measure up. And that's a problem that is a lie that the world has embraced, and even people in churches have embraced the reason I'm successful today more than ever than even when I was started as a pastor 10 years ago as a pastor, I'm still more successful today. You know why? It's not how, because our church, this is the biggest our church has ever been. That's not why. It's because I truly embrace the character of God. 
most people who are watching and a lot of Christians do not know the character of God. They think that if I do wrong, then I fall from the the favor or the acceptance of God. Or God can pour out his judgment upon me. Or something bad's going to happen to me because I, I don't live that good. I believe this even as a pastor. I believe that if I did something wrong, if I didn't live holy before God, then I would lose his favor. Did you understand that is not the character of your father? And because people who don't know the true character of God are going to have a hard time knowing God. Why? Because you can't trust somebody. Would you trust somebody you don't really know? You got a three-year-old. You go up to some stranger at the mall and say, here, could you watch him just a minute? I'm going to run in here. (laughs) Are you kidding me? I mean, my daughter has to know almost their blood type and that you 14 references and you got to be the same blood as me. And and the list goes on and on and on. I barely qualify to watch our grandkids. (laughs) I barely qualify. So don't tell me. So why? Because you, you, you got to trust people. And people are not trusting God because they don't know him. And the reason they don't know him, they don't know his true character. They don't believe that he loves them no matter what kind of lifestyle they have. All the Christians are going to be having a hard time on this. I'm accepted by God all of the time, no matter what my, what I'm doing in my life. I'm accepted. It's amazing, people, Christians will say this. Oh, God loves a sinner, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loved the world, but then we get saved and we do wrong. God doesn't love me now. So he loved you as a sinner and you give your life to him and you mess up and he doesn't love you as much. Something's not lining up here. I mean, just something's not lining up here. See, this is what we need to do as Christians. If you really want to know how successful you are, this is so good. This is going to set people free today. It is. You need to believe that I'm accepted by God all of the time. I'm accepted by my heavenly father all of the time. When I sin, when I do good, when I don't do good, I'm accepted by God. Therefore, I'm successful because I know him. That is life eternal is to know him. That is true success. Let me tell you, there's a lot of Christians not being successful, and it's not because they don't the money, it's not because the fame, it's not because they're not thinking big, it's because they don't truly understand and know the character of God. Now, I don't know everything about God because He is eternal. You know, I used to, I got this illustration, I should have brought one, an onion. You know, you peel, you, you tell people, or they're like an onion. You know, you got to just keep peeling that they got their layers and layers of people. But the thing is, with an onion, you know, eventually you get to the last layer. But God is like the eternal onion. You keep peeling, and there's always another layer. This is what the layers are, though. God is always good to me. He is always blessing me. He loves me. He only, can, he only thinks great things about Mike. Now, everybody in here don't, does not believe that. 
Everybody watching does not believe that God is always just thinking good about you. And there's some people who are going to be watching going, well, that's just blasphemy. You know, if my kids mess up, I don't go, I don't love you anymore. What kind of parent would do that? Of course, people think that about our Heavenly Father. You mess up and I'm telling you, my father always, you know, you may not have too many friends. Nobody has this amount of friends. You can probably count them on, you know, just that no matter what you do, they're still going to love you. They're still going to be your friend. No matter what. Aren't those awesome friends? Those those are the kind of friends everybody needs because why? Because you and I are going to mess up. You may say something, you know, I've said something, and now it's on video, and it's like, oh, the whole I can't get it back. You know, Melly goes, really? You, really? I go, yes, I said that. Can't even be edited now, you know, it's live. It can't be edited. You can't put the toothpaste back in, you know, it's squished out. But this is the thing. But people will still, aren't you, you, you love people so much that still they go, oh, that's all right. I still love you. Those are far and few between, are they not? Amen. This is God the Father, though. He's always going to think that towards you. Matter of fact, he will never, listen to me now, he will never think one even remotely bad thought about you. That was worth coming to church for. That will make you successful, ladies and gentlemen. I said, that will make you successful to know that God, he's not only in my court, he is for me all the time. He's for Mike. He's for Mike. He's for Mike when I mess up. He's for Mike when I get up. He's for Mike when he falls down. When I fail, he's still for me. I'm still for you, Mike. You are, I'm just for you, Mike, all the time. I'm for you. Man. Amen. And that's the way he is for everybody. But not everybody believes that. Not everybody believes that. I'll even say this. The majority of the church world doesn't believe that. They don't. If I just can be good, then God. So what you're saying is that you really didn't need a savior. You just need to act right. Nobody would say that. But they do live like that. I'm not going to live like that anymore. I'm going to live knowing how much my father loves me no matter what. You say, well, then that's just going to cause people just to live any old way. I think people are living just any old way no matter what. But this causes me to know that it's not based upon Mike. It's always been about Jesus. But when we get into religion, it starts being more about us. It is about Jesus. And if you want to be successful, then you start getting a hold of the character of God. Get a hold of the character of God. It's real simple and easy. Think the best possible imagination. Just let it run wild of somebody who loves you no matter what. Let your, let your imagination go there, that he loves me, he loves me. He lo- and, and not only that, he not just loves you, he likes you. Amen. 
There's some people who says, I love you, but yeah, I don't really like you. I don't really like you. <laughs> you know what that means? I don't want to have coffee with you. Don't want to spend time with you, but I love you, but I just don't want to spend time with you. Your heavenly father wants you to spend time with him. Why? Man, don't you want to hang around somebody that loves you no matter what? I want to be there with them. I want to be there with coffee, with lunch and supper and everything. No matter what. I didn't get to it, but we'll try to pick up their people. The worst you know, I, I feel like the devil in America and around the world now is only a part-time devil. You know why? He doesn't have to work full-time anymore. Why? Because he's got Christians who think this way. Who think what way? Who think that I really didn't measure up. Uh, I, I don't do so well. I'm not living for God so well. And they beat themselves up. Christians are beating themselves up. People are beating themselves up. I'm not, I'm not good enough even to go to church. I, you know, I'm listening to this pastor online, but I'm not even good enough to go to church. The devil doesn't even have to. That's just people. That's just people beating themselves up, feeling so insignificant. I'm so insignificant. I don't matter to the devil. Yeah, you don't. But to God, you matter. Because he created you to be on this planet. So obviously, you matter to him. So this insignificant problem that people are dealing with is huge. I've dealt with it. Everybody has to deal with it. Oh, what I do is not that big. Really? Just know this. When you feel insignificant, you are embracing what the world and what the devil thinks about you. But that's not what your Heavenly Father thinks about you. You are very significant. And it's not based upon what you do. It's based upon who you are. I'm a child of God created in His image who is loved by my Father. Did you hear that? I'm a child of God created in His image who is loved by my Father, who is accepted by His Father. I'm accepted by my Father. That will cause you to be successful and to change your life. I was praying, and I know there's people who are watching. I've never done this before. There's people who are watching that God wants to set free of this successful dilemma, this insignificant dilemma that you feel like you don't measure or you don't qualify, you don't measure up. God wants you to know that none of us qualify. None of us measure up. That's why he sent Jesus. Amen. That's why he sent Jesus. All you have to do is to believe and accept Jesus. I used to say this when I got born again, and there's nothing wrong with this, that you say you have to confess to God your sin. God, forgive me of all of my sin. You don't even have to do that to be saved. You don't have to confess your sin. This is the only thing you need to do to be saved. Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, period. Because of the blood of Jesus, sin is no longer an issue. There's going to be Christians regurgitating on that. (laughs) Take some Pepto, you'll be fine in the morning. It's not based upon or relying upon sin. It's based upon whether or not you believe in Jesus. 
That has set people free. It has set a lot of Christian religious fanatics free. Sin is no longer an issue. It's whether or not you believe. It's whether or not you believe upon Jesus. That is the problem or the lack of it. I just felt all the oxygen sucked out of the room. Everybody breathe. Everybody breathe. Jesus is bigger than any sin. He's bigger than anything. So all you need to do is believe upon Jesus. I believe if you just talk, say it with your mouth. The guy who's on the cross, you remember the three people on the cross? Jesus was in the middle. Two thieves on the other side. Did Jesus sit there and say, confess all your sin and I will see you in paradise? What did he say? He just believed. The thieves just sit there. You are the son of God. See ya in heaven. I'm going to see ya in heaven. Wait, 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 wait about this whole sin thing. You didn't confess your sin. <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong. If people say, well, you know, I confess my sin. Does that mean I'm not saved? No. It just means we were religious. But anyway, what it means is that, and it's okay. You still get saved. You still get saved. And don't, if somebody, if you're with somebody and they're making a prayer and somebody says, believe upon the Lord Jesus, Lord, forgive me my sin. Don't slap them upside the and go, you don't have to pray that. Don't do that. If you do, don't tell me you go to this church. But anyway, <laughs> don't make God complicated. Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand. I believe there's people that are going to believe upon Jesus that are watching today. I believe people are going to be set free from anxiety who are watching today. I believe there's going to be people who are watching that will understand what success is all about. It's about him. It's always about Jesus. Everything revolves, everything is intertwined with Jesus. If you want success in your life, believe upon him. Believe upon him. I'm successful today not based upon anything I do, not based upon because I'm a pastor of a growing church. No, I'm successful because I know God. And tomorrow, I'll know him better than today. And next year, I'll know him better than I know him this year. And you know what that means? Because his character is ever growing inside of me. His love is ever growing inside of me. Success is ever growing inside of me.